0: Good morning, Faith Bridge. I love that story. I love just when Charles said, ah, when it goes a little off script, that's how I know it's not me, how I know that's God. I just thought, I've, I've never thought about it that way. And I was like, I love that. I love that. Well, welcome, Faith Bridge. If you don't know me, my name's Steve Carter, and it is always an honor to be here. Um, We're going to dive into God's word. And uh, to do that, if you want a Bible, just raise your hand. Our ushers would love to give you a Bible. Um, This morning, I woke up in Waco, uh, Texas, um, and I did not know that in Waco, Texas, or from here to there... You all had something called fog. That was, I, I like, literally, I was like, I've never, I, I expect hot, I expect cockroaches, I, I expect like good baseball, good college football, like I expect certain things. I did not, fog was not on my bingo card for Texas, that's all I'm going to say. And I, I drove, I left at like 5 a.m. And I, and I was just driving, all I could see was like the yellow line, like to like right there and like the white dash. And I was just driving so slow. And, and, and God's a God of props. I mean, I'm just driving and I can't see. I thought it was a, a stoplight. And I was like, and then I was like, oh, that's a semi-truck. Oh, I'm just going to move away. Uh, literally could not see. And, uh, but I, I felt like for many of us, when we start talking about conversations around money, it, it feels like we, some of us get into a little bit of a fog. We have a hard time seeing clearly. Some of us, we grew up in a home where we were taught how to make money behave, and for some of us, we weren't. And today, I I don't really want to talk about money. What I want to do is I want to talk about one verse and how this one verse over the last few months has just been wrecking me and the kind of person that I believe every one of us here at Faith Bridge wants to be. I really, really believe this. And 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 what's amazing is this passage comes from the book of Acts. And in, the, in Acts chapter 20, Paul is giving a farewell speech to the church in Ephesus. And the church in Ephesus is a church that's near and dear to his heart. And he's about ready to leave, and he's headed towards... Rome, because that's his final mission. He wants to like speak to Rome. He wants to minister and share the gospel with Caesar. Like he's he is gung-ho about transforming the entire empire for Christ. And he has to leave. And when you leave a group of people that mean everything to you, you often say lines and axioms and, and, and stuff that you want to reinforce. No, no, like, word goes missed. There's no, like, throwaway sentences. Paul wants these people to understand. And look what he says in Acts 20, verse 35. It says this. In everything I did, this is Paul speaking, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I I love this. Paul's like some of his final words. He's like, hey, here's what I want you to understand. It is more blessed to give than receive. And here's my question. Is it? do Do you ever like read scripture and you're like, did you get that one right, Paul? Did you get that one right, Jesus? Like, Is it more blessed? Because we live in a world right now, it's like, get yours while you can. You know, 0% interest, get it. Like, you, you have this sense where it's like, accumulate, take, strive, achieve, get what is yours. And the gospel, and the kingdom of God, and the economy, it's like, uh, it is more blessed to give than receive. And I, I have been so fascinated. And to be honest, I, I really wanted to try and prove this verse wrong. That was like, that was like the way I, I set out to go, okay, there's times where scripture was written, and I'm like, how is it still more relevant today than the first time those words were uttered or written? You look at Genesis chapter three, when the man and the woman, like they choose to take of the fruit and they fall into sin. And the curse is that man will experience their identity by the sweat of their brow, meaning that men will find their identity in what they do for work. Yeah, that's pretty much how it is, isn't it, guys? For many of us, we're like, oh, this is my success, my achievement. Not not that my belovedness, but that was written 6,000, 7,000 years ago, and it's still relevant to today. And so I found myself wondering, like, is it more blessed to give than to receive? So I started to uh, study neuroscience. Any of you uh, neuroscience majors or work? Rice, University of Houston, good win against Baylor yesterday. Um, No one? Okay, so you're going to have to trust me on this, but you can study it on your own. Neuroscience, they would say the last 20 years, the 21st century has been known as like the century of the brain people are beginning to like do so much work on what the brain, prefrontal cortex, all of these parts of the brain, lizard brain, to help us understand why we do what we do. And in a recent study by Stanford, by Pittsburgh, even by the University of Notre Dame, so you know it has to be true for me to quote Notre Dame. And like <laughs> I'm here to tell you like what they began to discover was something that was known as the happiness trifecta. So this happiness trifecta of stuff that is being produced and worked through your brain and through your body, and the happiness trifecta is dopamine plus serotonin plus oxytocin. And you're like, we came to church, and I'm here to tell you this is amazing. Dopamine is where you get your motivation, your desire, your sense of arousal. Serotonin starts pumping through your body when you have a good night's sleep, when you actually learn something new, when you experience a good new restaurant and you have some kind of sense of filling your appetite, serotonin gets released within your brain. And oxytocin, they kind of call it like the the snuggle, like when when someone touches you, when there's some sense of trust, safety, and intimacy, all of a sudden that gets released into your body and into your brain. And when you are someone that is actually giving, when you are someone who is literally generous, what these neuroscientists found was that it releases all three. And when you have this pumping through your body, what it brings within you is a sense of joy and ease. And peace but you know what's even more fascinating is that the happiness trifecta also combats the release of cortisol in your body and cortisol is like the fight-or-flight cortisol is like whenever we feel scared cortisol is like gets pumped through our body when we're when we feel fear when we feel shame and and many of us when we're stressed or overwhelmed our adrenals start pumping cortisol through our bodies and most of us living in the US today don't have the happiness trifecta, we have cortisol hangovers. And and it it has this on edge. And oftentimes what what they're finding, even these neuroscientists is that they're saying this, that when you have so much cortisol being created and pumped through your body, the wear and tear on your heart, on your mind, on your body, on your soul, It's legitimate and real. And when you think about the motivation, when you're driven by scarcity or fear or shame, or like oftentimes it's like, I gotta get mine, I gotta get mine, I gotta get mine, I gotta get mine. It's all about receiving before giving. And Jesus, almost 2,000 years ago, says, Ah, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the truth is, it is. It is more blessed to give for our heart for our mind, for our body, and for our soul than to receive. But I've been thinking so much about this, and I began to realize something. Well, if that's true, why is it so hard for us as the church to embody this? And I think for many of us, we almost have like one foot in the church, and like I want the kingdom of God economy. I want that sense of this is what Jesus taught us, and yet everything that we are kind of, almost by osmosis, driven to think and discover is kind of how the world views money. For instance, net worth. We talk about it, like how much are you worth? How much are you bring in the calendar year? We use language like net worth, which is all about accumulation and receiving. And I was talking to a buddy of mine who's a pastor in Canada. His name is Daniel Im. And he was telling me about a guy named, by the name of Bob Lolich who, who wrote this book, all about this kind of comparison between net worth versus net given. Have you ever heard of net given before? The idea of net given is when you start to look at your finances, not by how much you've received, but by how much you've given away. And I'm reading this, and it is convicting me. And he said, like, you start thinking about net worth, all you will think about is how the world views money. But when you start to see it as, oh, how much have I given away? And it, it, it changed something in me. So I went back and I started looking at my taxes from like 18 on. So 18 to 44. Some of them I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I did that paperwork wrong. Please edit that on the podcast. Um, but I'm like looking at this stuff and, and and I'm honest, honestly, if I go back to my early 20s, and that given wasn't that great. Because I was all about this, but I could speak about generosity, but I was all about accumulation. And over the last couple of years, and I, I saw this significant shift that began to happen, in the last decade where all of a sudden I, I started to recognize, oh, and I didn't have language for it, but how, how do we become the kind of people that, aren't net worth people, but really about net give. But then as I was thinking about this and reading about it, I felt as if the spirit of God just kind of said, hey, you're thinking about this too small. And all of a sudden it's almost like zoom out, I want you to think about net give and a bigger idea because if it's more blessed to give than receive, then you know what, it's more blessed to give of what? Our time. The question has to be is how generous are you with your time? And we all have 168 hours in a given week. And the question is, how generous are you with your time? I, it's amazing as these neuroscientists, they found that people who volunteer consistently, the same organization, the same church, the same not-for-profit, that they have a five-year longer lifespan than other people who don't. What? That's why the people in the church never die. <laughs> right? Because we're volunteers. We're serving, right? And the truth is, like, I think there's something about this. But for some of us, we just come and, and, and something creeps in. They're just like, oh, I just come here and I receive. Right? I just receive. I just consume. But when you have this almost, it's more blessed to give than receive. You're like, oh, how does that affect the way that I serve and give back, whether in my neighborhood, my school, my church, my community, what does that look like for you? And every one of us has to wrestle with this. But but if it's bigger than just time, it's actually more blessed to give with our talent. And some of you have incredible spiritual gifts and unbelievable superpowers that you have just placed in a bookshelf. And they're there. Maybe two decades ago, they were f- just thriving. You felt the thrill of God using you. But now you're like, ah, eh, I kind of retired. Retired from actually putting those gifts on display. Someone after the first service came up to me and said, I have a book inside me, and I've been holding that talent because I'm afraid. When you're actually someone who's more generous, you go, oh, my goodness, I'm going to give that away. I want to put it out there. I want to be someone who actually just, just blesses and points people to what is right and true and, and good. But it's not just about being the kind of people who it's more blessed to give with our time and our talent. It's also about our treasure. The question is, how generous are you? You know, I, I think for many of us, truth be told, like, we live in the sense of it's It's mine. We kind of have like the seagulls from finding Nemo theology, like mine, 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 mine. It's all mine. That's mine. I earned that. That's mine. I made that. That's mine. And then at the same time, we're like, well, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Do you see the cognitive dissonance there? If the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, then my breath is the Lord's. My time is the Lord's. My talent is the Lord's. My treasure is the Lord's for some of us, we're like, yeah, like, time is God's. I'll give you that. Um, and I'll actually give you my talent. I'm going to keep my treasure. And we'll trade for a player to be named later. You know what I mean? Like, we, we hold on to this. But when we actually believe, oh, the earth is the Lord's, everything is all God's. And you heard it in the video. Like, we are these stewards. And the question becomes, like, who? how am i actually stewarding that okay so let's just play with this for a second the happiness trifecta when we give those three pump through our body it creates a sense of peace it combats cortisol which is all connected to fear and stress and shame does wear and tear on our body so it's like actually better for our bodies and when we actually do this, we're embodying the way of Jesus. But have you ever thought about this? It's not just time and talent and treasure. It's it's more blessed to give of our testimony. Like you all, as a follower of Jesus, you have a story. And when's the last time you actually shared that story? When's the last time you made an invitation? Maybe for some of you, it was like last week. And to hear about Candy Palooza were three thousand three hundred, I think thirty-three people, all threes, which is awesome. All all were here to receive a message from the one and only Ben Stewart, just incredible. And that doesn't happen if we're like, no, nah, I just I just receive. I don't I don't share my story. And for some of us, we don't because our story is filled with brokenness and trauma. And vulnerability, and some bad choices, and some really hurtful things that happened to us. And yet, God came in and rescued us, redeemed us, restored us. And I want you to see, because all of this, all of this isn't about money. It's about generosity. And the real question is, like, how generous are you as a person? If I go back to the scripture, I want you to see one thing, one thing that was in this verse that just, I had never seen this before. Verse 35, in everything I did, remember it's Paul speaking, final words, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed. Now, I, I think... I think some of us were, we, we, we see that word, you know, social media, hashtag blessed. Like I'm just so blessed. Blessed. You know, like, but do you actually know what that word means? Blessed comes from the work word baruch in, in Hebrew. And and yes, the New Testament was written and translated in Greek, but I'm always fascinated with these original language of Hebrew. And I'm like, blessed, it comes from Baruch. And often it's it's translated as increase. But but what's fascinating? And that increase is sometimes connected to the words like favor or blessing. But Baruch, it finds its root in kneeling. And there is this sense when you are blessed and you Baruch, where you are kneeling, where you are choosing to decrease, not to power up. You are so trusting that you can actually kneel before a king. And by kneeling before the king, it's in your decrease where he pours out favor and gives you increase. This is why it's more blessed to give than receive, because really, the blessing and increase comes with trust. Trust with you and God, empathy, generosity, shalom, peace, and joy. And this is why it's so moving to me, as you've heard me talk about this. God is trustworthy. And to be a person who is worthy of trust, you have to be safe plus consistent again and again, over and over on repeat. And God is worthy of our trust, it's all His. And when you showcase that posture of blessed, you are decreasing saying, I trust you. And by you trusting him, all of a sudden, it's as if he just fills you. And here's the increase. The increase is that you actually become generous. Generous of spirit. Nobody drifts towards generosity but it is the fruit of actually kneeling and decreasing and allowing God to increase because you understand the gospel. You understand the heartbeat of scripture. You understand that you actually go, even if I do this, I'm going to be better off. I'm gonna live five years longer, I'm gonna be better in my mind, I'm gonna be better in my body, I'm gonna be better in my heart, better in my soul, and I'm actually going to be orienting my life around the way of Jesus. And here's the wild thing, is that when you actually live this life as more blessed to give, yes of your time, yes of your talent, yes of your treasure, yes of your testimony, the generosity of spirit begins to change your thinking. And you end up becoming far less judgmental. And I believe when you find yourself around people who have the generous generosity of spirit. It comes out in their time, it comes out in their talent, it comes out in their treasure, it comes out in their testimony, but it also comes out in their thinking. They can listen to people who they disagree with or they can watch stuff being posted on Facebook and they can actually give someone the benefit of the doubt. And Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Which now presents the most convicting question where God got a hold of my heart. And I had to wrestle with this. Does my life evoke generosity of spirit or controlling of spirit? Does your life evoke generosity of spirit? You are embodying it is more blessed to give than to receive or it's about, it's more blessed in my mindset to like receive than give. And what's amazing is when you actually give and more blessed to give than receive, you will become a generous person. When you actually believe, like the world teaches us, to get yours and to receive, you will be blessed with a controllable spirit. You will just be very, very Controlling. And generosity, when it comes to time, it will be controlling of your schedule. When it comes to generosity of your talent, you will see controlling of your success. When you see generosity of treasure, you will see controlling your security. When you see generosity of testimony, oh, I'm controlling my story and how I'm perceived. And when it's generosity of thinking, it is controlling of suspicion, or as the kids say these days, sus. <laughs> That's what you'll be. You'll just be someone who is suspicious. No, nah, I can't be right. Nope, that can't happen. Mm-mm. And you should really ask yourself, what kind of person do you want to be? That's what discipleship is really inviting you to wrestle with. What? kind of student do you want to be? One that actually whew, generous, more blessed to give than receive, has a sense of freedom, time, talent, treasure, testimony, thinking, or more controlling. You ever been around those people? Mmm, that's a lot of fun. Controlling spirits are not fun people to be around. What's amazing is if you're honest, and this is where this question wrecked me, is I can look at these five and I can go, oh, controlled schedule. Mm. yeah, Trying to control my success. Mm. Dang it. Trying to control my security. Got to make sure my future's all set. I can think about that a lot controlling my story. I don't want everyone to know what's really going on in my life, my struggles. And there's some moments where I get suspicious. And if any one of those is incongruent with a a generosity of spirit way, here's the invitation for spiritual formation, is it should always bring you back to the foot of the cross. Because you saw a man who sat at the right hand of the Father who saw a world that was broken and he had everything. And he didn't just say it's more blessed to give than receive. He actually said, I'm going to embody what generosity of spirit looks like. And I'm going to invite my followers to live my way. I am going to give of my time. I am going to give of my talent. I am going to give of my treasure. I am going to give the one and only testimony that can make us right with God, and I'm going to think the best of Samaritans, of women, of kids, of sinners, of people who are caught in adultery, and I'm not just gonna think the best of them, I'm actually gonna to go to the cross for them, which is the single most incredible demonstration of generosity ever. Or one man would say, I'm willing to die for all of humanity. And here's here's the wild part. Here's the wild part. If you have a more controllable spirit and you're like, I kind of want that. Here's the actual trade. Because if you're holding on to your story, your story, I don't want everybody to know that I have brokenness in my past. Um well, we all do. I don't want anybody to know what that is. Here's the actual gift. You get to trade your sin, and he takes it, and he gives you grace. And you receive that, and all of a sudden, he's like, all right, go and do likewise. And what's incredible is every moment where you see the controllable spirit, it ought to bring you right back to the foot of the cross where you find yourself kneeling, decreasing. I can't save myself. I can't rescue myself. I can't change myself. And you watch the heart of the Father, the way of the Son, the power of the Spirit lift you up because you are chosen. You're set apart. And when you begin to actually live out the way of Jesus, you begin to be less controlling and wildly more generous. And I don't know about you, but I want to be that kind of person. And when we're that kind of people and that kind of church, that is contagious. Which brings us to communion. And I think communion is always those moments where I think sometimes we, we just share that it's a time to remember what the Lord did. And I, I get that. I love that. But, but you you understand that like, and this will be a little graphic, so stay with me, but if you I love words, but if you took at the R-E and then the member, like remember, but we also have like words like dismember, which sounds like a serial killer, you know, like dismembering parts of a body, right? So stay with me, stay with me. I actually look at some of us and I look at my heart and some of, some of my faith has been dismembered. And really, really what it's like is when, we've, when we study the scripture and we recognize, oh, man, I have a more controllable spirit. I'm in control of my schedule. I'm in control of my talent. I'm in control of my treasure. I'm in control of my story. I'm in control. That's a dismembered reality from the heart of the cross, right? And so when we remember, it's us acknowledging the parts that are fractured and splintered and set apart, and it's us coming back under the way of jesus that's what it means to remember it means to reattach to realign and what's so beautiful is jesus he gathers his students he gathers his disciples and he says hey at any moment where you find yourself dismembered just grab a cup because this cup it's going to be a picture of my blood, and my blood is going to be a picture of a new com- a covenant that you can always, in my new covenant, realign, reattach, and remember, because what I'm about to do for you on the cross. And even Jesus said, as he took bread and he broke it, and what's amazing, he breaks it and he blesses it. And this is, this is what Jesus does. He breaks himself open and he pours himself out for us. Picture of generosity. And invites us to be the people who model his spirit, generosity of spirit. So here's what we're going to do. In the communion room, you're going to be self-led. The team's going to lead you in a moment after I pray. And when you feel ready to come and receive, you'll be ready. But in this room, we're going to invite our ushers to kind of lead you. But I, I really don't want you just to <clears throat> go through the motions. I really want to invite you maybe, maybe to come and receive the elements, but maybe for some of you, you just need to come to the stairs and, and kneel. Just almost like confess, I got this controllable spirit. Maybe there's a moment where you're just going to just, you and your spouse, or you and a friend, or you and the person you want someday to be your spouse, like, you just got to pray and be like, hey, I don't want to be this kind of person. Would you pray with me? Man, and this is what's so beautiful about the act of Eucharist, which is a giving thanks moment that we can give thanks, that we can always reattach, always realign, always remember. Because we got grace. And that grace came at a price on the cross for every single one of us in this room. I'm gonna pray, and then we will receive communion together. God, I thank you. I confess and I repent the parts of me that are dismembered. I have thought too long about my security. But that security that I try to work for on this earth is not going to secure my eternity. That comes because of what you did on the cross, God. I repent. I repent of the parts of me that just don't want people to see the brokenness in me, the stuff I'm working through, the stories of pain in my childhood. If that's your testimony. That's your story. Remember me. <laughs> Back to what it means to be a person who's generous of spirit. And God, I pray that in this this room, it just wouldn't be grabbing a a wafer and dipping it in the cup. I, I pray that this would be a moment of us all taking an honest and human reflection on are we driven by control or are we living in the benefit and the fruit of generosity? Move and have your way in this room, in the communion service, and those tuning in online, whisper, guide, and lead us. We pray all this your name and everyone said, Amen.